Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast, a podcast where we help you take your ideas from a dream to reality. Each episode will cover topics to help you overcome frustrations we all encounter in our maker community. I'm Trevor Wanamaker, a part-time maker running MakerExperiment.com, and my co-host Stephen Ellis is a part-time woodworker running Old South Woodcraft, and Martina Miller, who's a full-time maker running Naughty by Nature Designs. We've all encountered bumps and pitfalls along the road we call making, and we are using this podcast to help you avoid the same pitfalls. Welcome to the Maker Vision Podcast for episode 29, where we're going to talk about customer experience. Steven and Martina, how's it going? Good. I'm enjoying my rainy weather right now. It is going good for me. It is uh, bright and sunny. For once, uh, and it's not like really cold, or at least cold for South Carolina. I mean, we definitely didn't have like the negative 20 you know, degree temperatures and like negative 47 wind chill or whatever the rest of the country has been attempting to have. But it's been very cold for South Carolina, so it just sucks. It has, it has a lot of, there was a lot of suck this week. Here it hasn't really been doing anything. It's been, I don't know, in the 40s and 50s maybe? Don't worry. Don't worry. Your, your like death glare sun will be back soon. Oh, that that still happens in the morning. Driving to work, you turn a corner and you're blind. Okay. Ah, sunlight. It's burning my eyeballs. Only difference is in the summer, you turn the corner, you're blind, and you're sweating profusely because it's 120 degrees. And your degrees. tires are melting off your car? Yes. Yep. yep. I'm waiting for the tires to literally just melt off the rim. Well, that is that is, that is potential. That is potential. Especially because you can't park in your garage. Now, if only you knew anything about... If you knew anything about tires, I wonder. I wonder, Trevor, if you knew anything know, about tires. I don't know. You don't? This never can tell if you know anything about tires? I think I know more than the average person. I think you know a lot more than, like, most of the population. <laughs> at this point. Yes. Give it... Martina's, Martina's looking at us so confused. Is that what you do for a living? That's what I used to do. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to explain to someone the other day. I was like, yeah, I'm on this podcast now. And they're like, oh, so it's local. I'm like, literally every Saturday morning, I get my coffee and I talk to two complete strangers that I've never met in my pajamas on a Skype call. They're like, all right. right." Like, (laughs) you know, there's there's a lot of women that do that. They just get paid lots of money to do it. And generally it's like in Amsterdam. And You're totally now we veer just back to opening a good time. up a can of worms <laughs> that I don't think you want to jump into. We're just going to get hate messages now that I'm going to have to filter through. So on to what we watched this week. <laughs> there we go. I watched uh, I watched the Ted Bundy Confessions on Netflix this week. Ooh, and I think my wife he, already watched that. I, I'm a true crime fan, but then I feel like I get all paranoid the rest of the day that um, any little noise, I'm like, oh, it's a murderer trying to get in the house. Or you're being followed. Yeah. Especially. Imagine working in abandoned buildings, like a good twenty five to thirty percent of like my work week is an abandoned building. Good thing you're not jumpy. Yeah, no thanks. Well I also carry like I carry an a hatchet on me and I carry like a really sharp chisel 
and like other sort of implements that I mean it's no gun, but I could do some serious damage. So you know, I won't I won't jump out of the dark jump. at you in an abandoned building. That's a good I idea. No you might you might get shanked with a chisel. Shivved. That's the last thing we need. What about you, Steven? I've watched a I watched various different things this week. Uh, mostly just like catching up on normal shows, but I did watch a Netflix movie the other day, Io. It's once again dystopian future, the world has gone to pot. There's like only like very very small traces of civilization left on the earth. Most of most of the earth is like so toxic you can't breathe. So there's this girl and her dad that are trying to research how to potentially mutate themselves or mutate mm-hmm. animals to live in this this sort of uh very dystopian world. It's a good movie, but it's got a terrible ending. I don't know. Netflix has got some great writers, but they can't figure out how to wrap something up real good. It's just it's just sucky. It's got a sucky ending. The one that I've been watching is still the same. So it's Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I'm almost Nine-Nine? done with now. Uh Future Man. And I think tonight <laughs> we're going to rent the Nutcracker, which is Disney came out with like a live action Nutcracker that's at Redbox. So I think we're going to rent that tonight. Martina, I don't know how you feel about uh, plays and theater, but that's definitely not really like my thing. So Trevor, have fun with the Nutcracker because that is definitely not something I care anything about. <laughs> it doesn't bug me that much. He has two daughters. I think he has no choice in life now. I pretty much let them pick. No, the thing is, is like little kids don't necessarily, they like musicals. They like things they can sing along to, but they don't necessarily like theater. I mean, would you take a five-year-old to see Phantom of the Opera? No, they would lose their mind in the first like minute and a half. She went to see Beauty and the Beast on stage and she was fine. Really? My wife took her. She also went to see, I forget what else she went to see. Like Disney on Ice and stuff is probably a good one. I think she actually saw the Nutcracker like on stage and this is my oldest but she's really well behaved because she it interests her i don't know she's always done well well that's good i don't know i guess i just never like we never went to theater like even though my dad is actually in a production right now he plays captain keller like helen keller's dad in a theater production about heller helen keller Hmm. but like yeah i don't know that was his that was his goal long long time ago was to be an actor. So now he's doing it as a retired guy. Nice. It's funny. Yep. I don't mind seeing those things. The girls like it, so that's mm. the important part. I never I know I don't know, I just never got into it. Never got into it. But speaking of getting into things, what are we talking about today, Trevor? What's going on? What are we what are we discussing? Well the idea was customer experience, and I'm sure that you'll want to add your dose of salt. Oh, come on now. Apparently, everyone (laughs) has loved the real talk about IG, and they really like pouring out the salt. Uh, Martina, didn't you get someone respond to yours that they specifically, like, they liked one part of the episode just because I said it's about to get real salty up in here? Yeah, I think that was, like, the best, like, intro for it, too. And I think (laughs) people appreciated the fact that we didn't hold back, but I think it wasn't, like, true trash talking you know what i mean like i think we did it like tastefully and it's the honest feeling that i think everyone else is having so it wasn't just like an angry hour you know what i mean we were saying what everyone else was feeling exactly so i think everyone could appreciate that 
Yeah, and and since that, since the episode aired, there has been some grumblings on various Facebook groups I'm in that, like, I, I did not start them, and I don't know if these people listen to our podcast or not, but there were grumblings of that in that same mentality. Well, I think people forget that IG is still real people, like, real people, real opinions, and I feel like some people see social media and feel like it's this whole different world in a way where they can say and do whatever they want and they you know see all these large accounts that are constantly getting sponsors or constantly getting free stuff and they they don't the bigger accounts don't really address you know how hard it might have been to get where they are for some of them it's true and we know who they are there are some a of few them, of them that got there quickly and it was because of certain reasons. Yeah. But some there's others that the worked their bus. ass off. Yeah, some of them were on the struggle bus and, and got they got where they're at through hard work and paying like serious dues. Mm-hmm. Others never saw the struggle bus. They completely bypassed it and just used other means for lack uh, for lack of uh for lack of better term, nefarious means. I don't know that they're necessarily nefarious, but they weren't um they were classy and completely above board, so, you know, it is what it is. I was kind of amused by the messages I got of, like, are you talking about this person? And I'd get, like, a Instagram handle. I'm like, ah, no, that wasn't that person. It wasn't them. So I was like, I didn't even know about them. So apparently there's more than we thought. Well, and the funny part is, right after that episode, I noticed more and more. Yeah, I think that's what happens. Like when you find a flaw in something, like that's all you can do is like, or it's like when you buy a car, you know, you buy this, like a certain car and then everyone, you see that everyone has that car. You could just like, your attention is drawn to that. Exactly. It's like, it's like if you build, it's like whenever you build something or you make something, there's going to be a flaw in it somewhere and your eye is immediately drawn to it. A thousand people could walk by whatever it is that you made and never see the flaw. But as soon as you get within like 50 feet, you go, oh, crap, I can still see that from here. Because it's what happens. Pretty much. You're, you're just drawn to whatever it is that you're focused on at that point. But we're not going to get that salty this episode. Because <laughs> I, I don't think there's as much, to, as much salt to be poured out. But don't worry. This there's still going to be some salt. Not, not this week. week. Not this week. Next week, we shouldn't have any salt whatsoever. Theoretically. No, no salt. Theor- <laughs> theoretically. Theoretically. We'll see. A week's, a week's a long time. A week is a long time. A week is a long time. But we're supposed to be having a pretty sweet guest next week. I so like I think everybody's going to be happy. do some spoilers leading up to it, but not really announce who it is until it happens. No, no, no. We can't do spoilers until after we record. We need to do spoilers after we record. Well, that's what I'm saying. So from the time, from next Saturday until Wednesday, we'll just do like five days of spoilers. There you go. On the first teasers, day maybe? of spoilers. I think teasers is the right word. Teasers, yeah. Teasers. Teasers, spoiler. Yeah. Well, spoilers, you're giving away, like, enough information to give things away. Yeah, so we'll you're, do teasers. You're ruining it. You're ruining teasers it. Teasers is more like, ha, ha, ha. We're, maybe we're not we going to actually tell you anything, this is, we're but we're totally going to amp like it up. wasting time on this. We can talk about this when we're done recording. I have some ideas. Okay. I'm right. thinking cap on now. The coffee's kick- kicking in. There you go. And Martina's now engaged. <laughs> it only took us uh, 55 minutes for me to get there, but I'm there now, guys. Yeah. Good. Good. The struggles. Uh, the we struggle, really start the at 8 o'clock, everybody, and right now it's like 
Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Except for me on the East Coast, uh, it is now noon. I started at 11 and it's, it's now so, noon. It's funny because at 7 a.m. this morning, I was like ready to record. And then by 7.30, I was like, I need to go back to bed. <laughs> yeah. I was up happens. at like 6.45 and I was like, uh, it's going to be so long before I record. What am I going to do? It's Trevor's fault because he sleeps in. Sleeps in. I was up at 7.30. That's sleeping Point in. That is not sleeping in. That's totally not sleeping in. Not for a normal in. human being. Well, when someone used to work like first, second, and third shift all together in a row, it's a little different, Martina. Because trust me, I used to be with you. I used to work like, I would work between four, oh, would, we would start at four, between four and five in the morning and work till almost five or six in the, in the evening, six days a week. Yeah, I used to go in at 3.30 every morning for four days straight. Well, see, that'd be different. Whereas my work starts at eight o'clock, so you don't yep. you don't really work. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. So we gonna actually like talk about the the episode, or just we just gonna be bull? We're trying. You keep derailing. <laughs> you suck. It's like um, <laughs> what is it? Making it is that the one they just like sit there and talk for an hour? I think that's what happened yes. already today. Pretty yeah, much. We've already done it. We've yeah. already we've already had our full full making it episode. So about that customer experience. I think <laughs> we've made that, it easy enough to cut out like. 10 minutes of the rant so probably all right so customer experience i don't know exactly what that means for me but i'm trying to figure i mean as someone who deals with customers a lot more face-to-face martina do you want to give like your insight since i mean a lot of your business is not just making things it's also doing one-on-ones with clients yes. And what steven's really saying is he just doesn't have customers I wasn't going to go Thank there. You. I thought Thanks it. Fired. Thank you. Fired. I'm trying Thank not you to get for cutting fired me down after Dude, my on a Saturday. first official You know week. I'm joking. I'm, you guys already Thank tried you. to kick me off the team today because I have terrible internet connection. So. Uh, it's not our fault you have a crappy internet it's that, connection. It's that, it's that Fresno internet. It's because you guys don't pay me enough to pay for my internet. Because I don't, we don't get pay, paid. We don't pay ourselves. Because I don't get paid. <laughs> we don't pay anybody. We don't pay, we don't pay anybody. <laughs> we uh, fork out money. <laughs> So with my customer experience, I feel like it's easier since you have that one-on-one interaction with customers to be able to be more engaging and more interactive and kind of, I don't want it to come off wrong, but kind of be more sensitive to a client's needs because I think that is part of buying custom is that they want their handheld pretty much. They want to fill in like a little bit more elite than someone that purchased something from like world market or Ikea. That's part of the experience of buying custom and from buying local and small is that you can build a connection with the person that actually made your piece of furniture or designed your space. Exactly. You're, you're buying, you're buying with your heart. You're not just buying with your wallet. So you want someone to build or make with their heart, not just mass produce it. I mean, even though there there are some makers out there that, that they've gotten their business so big that it's not necessarily mass-produced, but they do generate a lot of volume. But that right. still doesn't mean that, that they've lost the heart of their business. They just now just produce a lot bigger volume, whereas I think us, especially us three, we still do everything pretty small. I mean, Trevor does batches of things, but it's still, I mean, sub what sub 50 or sub 100 most of the time even if you're doing batches of things trevor it's usually less than 50 unless it's the yetis and they're multiplying like gremlins (laughs) (laughs) and then i mean there's and then there's people that 
seem to batch stuff out because of their price point. Because it's get this entire dining table and chairs, and it's two hundred bucks, which is absurd. Yeah, to me, that's there's no customer experience in that. No, and and there's actually a maker I just saw this week. They had an entire week. Every day was a new table. Every day was a new table, and they were all sub five hundred. It's like yeah. where where's um, the heart in that? Well, it's because where's all you do is grab two by fours from the store and throw a top on it. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I mean, that's what a lot of the design was, and then it looked like one of them was a painted table, and I mean, it looked like I'm sorry, it looked like their child had painted it with a, with a spray with a spray paint can because it was it was kind of blotchy. The white was not. I mean, it was not even. I mean, if you're trying to go for a rustic look, that's fine. But at least have one even coat across the thing and then go through and do touch-ups. Don't just like, don't, you know, as Ron Swanson says, don't don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. So. See, I think that's the hard part. Like, with marketing yourself, like, I know we're not really talking about marketing, but like selling your goods on Facebook Marketplace and everything, you have to compete with someone that's doing it as a side hustle that's not going to put as much attention to detail into someone that's like a true furniture maker. Like I'm not trying to bash people that pocket hole everything that, you know, there's, there's makers like that, that can make business, but it's like, you're trying to make good quality furniture that's going to last. So try and explain that to build your brand and to try and sell that to your customer. They and don't I think always that's part of the whole customer what... experience is kind of describing because they'll, they'll come to you, I'm sure Martina's gotten this, where they'll come to you with a Pinterest image, and it'll have, make this table, 150 And could, yeah. they'll be like, well, they're charging 150 so can't you make it for that? And that's, that's, if you do, that's if you do it yourself. You can do it correct. for $150 to make yourself a table for $150. But then well, guess what? The... I can make a table for 25 bucks with two sawhorses and a piece of plywood. If yeah. I really am that desperate to have a table. Yeah. So... And really it's, you know, you got the, not only that part of it, but then you don't know how it was built. And if you look at the tutorials, it's usually pocket holes or, which again, pocket holes have their place. But if you want something that's going to last, I wouldn't be doing a pocket hole table. I like Steven shaking his head no to the pocket holes. Pocket holes are for cabinets. I'm making cabinets this week. Actually, hey, yeah. no, no. Pocket holes. Pocket holes were basically like that's that is where pocket holes. I say go go full bore with pocket holes because you're making boxes. There's yeah. not a lot of there's not a lot of flex or rotation on them. Once you install cabinets, they're generally there for like twenty or thirty years. You're not moving them around. You're not dragging them around. So you're just trying to keep the structure together until you put a top on it. Once you put a top on a cabinet, it usually solidifies that whole entire piece. So mm-hmm. pocket holes on cabinetry, totally fine with. If I was to build cabinets, because I have and I have helped build some cabinets before, pocket holes are great. Yeah, like. So, but to build furniture completely out of pocket holes is, it I don't know. There's yeah. just it's just me, I guess, that doesn't like it. So the top for my cabinetry will be walnut. There's not going to be any pocket holes on that. There's no, you know, you can't add a girl walnut and a girl pocket holes. Correct. I totally agree. So the question is, how will you atta- attach the the top? I'm just gonna use clamps. Just install it with clamps, and I'll just have her. I'll just spray paint in black so they match 
her decor. Yes. Mm. <laughs> some big old some sea clamps, and it's an it's an industrial, industrial cabinet. Look. Yeah, there you it's go. industrial. It's industrial, like it. quote unquote, industrial cabinet. No, I think I'm gonna. That's a whole different conversation of how it's on the top. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, why don't you walk us through, like, working with a customer from the moment they inquire about something to delivering the product like we can each do that and kind of go through how our customer experiences i guess yeah. differ ours is i think all our three will be way different so i'll get a customer client however you want to refer to them as um you like either by referral or social media really i found you on instagram um can you make this and I'll ask for just a quick photo, even in the text message, so I know if it's even worth entertaining the conversation further, because I don't want to waste their time either. Um, so if it's something that's in my wheelhouse, then we'll try and set up a consult so I can go out there, see the space, measure the space, get a feel for what kind of design that they want, if it's rustic, if it's modern, um, and then kind of talk them through the process, like, hey, it normally takes me... X amount of weeks once I start your build. Um, this is where I'm at now. I can't even start till this day and I'll get you a bid as soon as I'm able. So then I'll come home and I'll do the math, run numbers, figure out how much it is for materials and then how much time I think I'm going to spend building that project. So I'll send them over an estimate and in the estimate, which I think this is kind of important for a lot of makers is in the estimate I break down that I'll require a deposit that's non-refundable so I can secure their place in my build queue and then uh, when that is due and then the re like so say I take 10% for a deposit just to hold their place in my in line so 10% is due on seven days after I send over the bid and then when I'm getting ready to start which in there, I'll say estimated start date. I now need 40%, which totals 50% of the build cost. And that way I can purchase all the materials. And then when the the item's complete, I require the other 50%. But that changes when I don't think that I'll be able to resell that item. Like if it's super custom and specific to someone's need that, and I'm never going to make money off of it again, I'm going to need 100% upfront. That way I don't get burned. And then I send it off to them. They either agree or disagree or say, I mean, sometimes they just put it off to where it says, you know, in a couple of weeks I can afford to do that. But then they need to understand that the cost of material changes. So that price is also subject to change. Okay. So you, you've clearly got like a full, like you've, you've worked out your whole customer interaction, customer experience, like, step by step at least from the bidding process through the build process you've, you've got it broken down pretty far so that's pretty good i mean With i, some I, trial I definitely and error. don't yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know that i have mine broken down that well but i've everything i've done has generally been a one-off my first really big batch of things the live edge charcuterie boards and then these uh laminated um serving platters i mean i had to do that one-off they, they asked me to come and take a look at them, see what they had. I tried to see, okay, do you want me to salvage what you have, or do you want me to just make something that looks similar but brand new? And they said, okay, we want this and this and this. 
Then they gave me a rundown of what materials they specifically wanted, which is nice because sometimes clients have no idea what they want. They just know they want something to look pretty, but they don't know where to go from there. They just they just want to look pretty. Thankfully, this this group of individuals knew that they wanted uh, cherry wood, hickory wood, and pecan wood because it was for a restaurant that used all three of those woods to smoke their meat. Unfortunately, hickory is a no-no because it's it's not really food safe so much because it's got a very open pore structure but pecan and cherry those are local woods i can get them they work great both of them have got a really nice tight grain and pecans hard as hell so it works great for anything you put a knife into you're probably going to dull the knife before you damage the wood so i did that told them okay i'm going to build you x x number for this total cost x number for this total cost they're going to be approximately this size because with live edge, you, I mean, you can't get exactly 24 inches of live edge, and if it and it be live edge on both sides. But they said on the serving platters because they're laminated, we need to have them at least roughly this big because we need to serve a large amount of food on them, so they need to kind of match what we have now. Totally cool. Then I realized, okay, they need to be a special shape, so I actually went to another maker to build me a template, so that way I could use a router with a bearing. Um, and basically router out the shape that I want because they were so thick I had to go back in with a flush trim and flush trim everything but that template worked out perfectly so I've already you know I already had encountered a bunch of issues and thankfully to another maker he worked them out for me and then basically it's just finish and delivery at that point I mean that's that was that was probably my major one the rest of them have all been one-offs furniture restoration is always a one-off because you don't know, all right, do you want to save the thing? Do you want it to look completely different? Do you want it to be, you know, just a touch-up thing? Do you want it to be cleaned? Do you want it to be completely stripped, repaired, whatever? So that's always a one-off for me. And I ha furniture restoration, you have to see that in person. And a lot of times you have to really, really look at it before you take the job on because you don't know what you're going to get into when you start taking stuff apart. Because a lot of times people with no skills try to repair furniture, and it is absolute crap screws should generally not be in fine furniture except for specific places if you've got a damaged tenon you cannot fix a damaged tenon with a screw it ain't how it works trevor i know your experience is really different from both of ours because you do a lot of one-offs but you use the laser so there's a whole other sort of deal going on there they're one-offs because they're all individually custom well, they're they're, they're they're their design. It's whatever they want. But they're not one-offs at the same time because the style is consistent, if that makes sense. I have two main styles right now for signs. So I have the layered version, which is there's a background to the logo, and then the logo has, you know, at least one layer, maybe two or three. So I have those. And then the new one is the one I did for Toolpig that has the enclosed shaped frame that has acrylic and LED lighting all it's, enclosed. It's almost in the frame. like a it's almost like a shadow it's almost like shadow box meets lit sign. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Basically. By the way, that thing looked killer. I like all your photos when you took them all together of like the every sort of different color scheme was great. Martina, are you still you're still muted? 
Can't hear. We can't hear you. That's okay. I used a bad word, anyways. It's it looks really good. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Martina used a bad word. Those are the two styles that I have right now. I've made one-off styles that are just more difficult to do, or you know, require outsourcing. So I did that large sign that said rigged that had metal standoffs and it had LED lighting. Uh, but it was also five feet long. So making that an enclosed frame with acrylic would be more difficult. It would be basically impossible for unless you went to a far larger machine. You would have to use a CNC or yeah. find somebody with a giant laser. Yeah. When I did it with, so it depends on what I'm doing. If a customer wants to sign, usually it starts with how can I go about getting one? And I typically tell them, you know, all the signs start at this price and they go up depending on size, complexity, and materials that you choose. And then they'll come back and say, this is my logo. They'll send me a picture. I require a vector file to actually do the work, but to just see what it looks like, I can go off of a JPEG or PNG. I'll go through that process, look at the sign style, or look at the logo itself, figure out how I would layer it in my head and how many layers it might require, how many colors it might require, and then I'll break it down for him. I'll say, this is what I'm thinking, and now that I have this new style, it'll be a separate thing. But I'll quote based on style. So... The quote will have, you know, it's going to be this much if you want it made from MDF as a layered sign. It'll be this much if you want it made from acrylic as a layered sign. It'll be this much, now that I have this new style, it'll be this much if you want the framed in LED lit style. So they have the choices there. And I'm not just quoting only one. Because typically in the past, if I quoted only one, they'd either say, that's out of my budget. Or they'd say, what what other options are there? Do you offer LED lighting? Do you offer this? Whatever it might be. So I started doing the quotes where it has each one. I need to actually make a template that has it all spelled out. But I haven't done that yet. I mean, that would be... So here's the question. Because me and Martina, I mean, Martina, you have a website. I do not. But do you actually sell things directly through your website, Martina? I don't. Um, I don't ship. <laughs> and also, it. I mean, who who in the heck's going to ship a table? All I do is ship. Yep. So, Martina, you and I most of the time do things face-to-face. -face. Trevor, I mean, what, 90, probably 90% of your business, you never even see the, the customer, you never even see the client. It's just... Probably what? more like 99.999. Gotcha. Now, when you, well, when you were when you were still living here and you were making signs for other makers, I guess. Yeah, but I haven't had. But that since in then, months. since then, yeah, in Vegas because there's no other makers. There's there's some, but there's Make, not. It's a, a it's ton. a maker vacuum. But they, most of my stuff is done online. Oh, Trevor, basically for me and Martina, because of what it is that we're doing and most of what we sell, I'd say like ninety nine to a hundred percent of our interactions with with customers is always almost always face to face except for a couple of like 
charcuterie boards and things like that that I've sold either through the shop or I've sold on like sold to people across Instagram. But in general, everything I do is face to face. Whereas you are like ninety nine to a hundred percent never even see your customer. You just get requests via what like do you have an online form? Are you just email or what? All of them right now typically come through Instagram. Okay. But I am which I've been working on forever. The, still still working, working on, on your on the website. website. So the website is going to have a form that people can fill out. So it's in the works. It's just not ready yet. I've gotten a couple through email where they'll say, hey, I got your email from Instagram. And they'll just email me instead of direct message. But typically it's direct message through Instagram where people say, hey, I'm interested in having a sign made. What's the process? And then it starts from there. And then I you go, I kind of break it down with, I need to see the design. Signs typically start at this price, depending on, again, the size, the complexity, material. And then we'll talk back and forth about their logo and what the options are. And then I usually tell them that I'll get them a quote within 24 to 48 hours. And then I'll go through that process, get them the quote, break it down into the different materials that they have and which ones are better for outdoor versus indoor. And once they have that, I typically will tell them the, it'll take, you know, depending on the size and what the style is, it's usually two to three weeks to make it. And I'll tell them the, you know, I can get started on it roughly on this day. And when I do mine, if it's up to a certain amount, it's pretty much pay for it in advance, the full amount. That's rare that I just do a deposit. Some people will, I'll do a deposit with if I've talked to them before and I've worked with them before or something. And they ask if they can do a 50% deposit, but it's rare. Typically it's the full amount You won't be able to resell anything you make. No, I can't resell any of it. So I, that totally makes sense to get all the money up front. So, I mean, and cause we were discussing this earlier, so I'm going to, I'm going to ask again. So that way the, the listeners can listen to it. You've been doing all these Yetis lately. Your cu- most of the time, your customers buy the product and then they just have it shipped to you, correct? For at least for, for the Yetis and the the smaller items. I mean, the signs you take care of everything yourself. It depends. So I've had people want Yetis, and they'll need them so quickly, or mm-hmm. the turnaround time they need is quick. So I'll go to like Dick's Sporting Goods and buy them. The not sponsored. The ones that are, you know, 30. Yeah, not sponsored. <laughs> the ones where sponsored. they want to order 27 or 30 of them, which are the last two orders I did, they don't have that many at the store. So those one actually bought them at like a, they got a military discount through a store near them. So they bought them in person and then shipped them to me. And then another one just bought them off Amazon and had, just had them shipped shipping. to you. 
that so mean, it that's... depends on what they're doing. Like it depends on you know what kind of mug they want, where I could get it. Half the time I have to order it online anyway, because there's acrylic materials that the acrylic suppliers in town don't actually carry them. Like matte black, the one in town doesn't carry it, so I usually have to order that anyway. I don't even know where, quote unquote, in town one would even buy acrylic. I and the only time I've town. ever seen acrylic, do Piedmont what? Plastics. I know for my town where I would get it. Yeah. Piedmont Plastics? Where the heck is Piedmont Plastics? There's one in, I think, Greenville somewhere. Well, I mean, generally the name Piedmont is kind of synonymous with with the upstate of South Carolina and, like, middle of North Carolina. Where's the Piedmont Plastics here? wonder if they're based somewhere here locally. Who knows? But there's a couple places in town I can get it, but they only carry certain stuff because they usually deal with, I guess, more things like aquarium builders and stuff like that. Commercial, commercial it's mostly, users. Yeah, it's mostly clear or gloss black or gloss white or some other gloss colors. So if you want anything matte, they typically don't have it. Well, it's because you're yeah, in Vegas. Everything needs to be shiny. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. It's not a, a matte anyway, kind of town. <laughs> yeah. Nah. So most of my stuff I order online anyway. It just depends on what I'm doing. But the cups are a little bit easier as far as the process because they typically say how much is it to engrave a mug and i say well the engraving is this cost up to you know from zero to 25 of them right and then above 25 it goes down to this cost and then if i order the mugs then it adds the mug cost in there as well and then shipping so you know a mug order may be ten dollars plus shipping if i am given the mugs or it might be you know 15 if i have to uh not only source all the mugs but then the quantity is low like if it's one mug it's going to cost more than if i have to do 30 of the same design because part of it's setting up the file is it takes a while to do all that because you have to measure the mug and if it's a mug I know, like the Yetis, I kind of have the template set up, so I just have to put the artwork in. But if it's some mug I've never done before, I have to remeasure everything and remake the file artwork and go through all that. So the more work it is, is it? I mean, it's like anything else. The more you order, the cheaper it is. Right. So if you order, you know, a hundred of them, it's going to be cheaper than ordering one engraved. But same kind of deal with magnets. So if you order up to 25, it's one price, but above 25 is another, and above 50 or 100 is another. Buy in bulk. That's what I try and do. I think it's pretty standard process-wise with big businesses when it comes to that kind of stuff. Where, you know, there's price breaks at different quantities. But overall, I mean, I try to be as upfront with things as possible. So if somebody sends me a mug that I have no experience with and I look at it and it's got a handle or it's got some weird graphic, I'll I'll flat out tell them like look this handle might pose an issue because it sticks out too far and it might clip on the rotary. Or this graphic is on here 
we need to make sure we avoid it. Or on the Yeti cups, one side of the Yeti cup has a stainless steel Yeti emblem, and the other side of the cup has an embossed Yeti in all black. You kind of have to have that conversation, like, where do you want the logo on the mug? But the Yeti ones I pretty much have figured out now, because I've had three or four orders that had Yetis. So I kind of figured out, you know, where the logo should go to avoid all the other stuff. All right. So now that we talked about kind of like how we generally do do our orders and things like that, how do we make our approach custom? How do we make it unique? How do we bring our perspective and try to do the best thing we can for the individual that we're working for? I mean, Martina, yours is yours goes above and beyond mine and Trevor's because you don't just do furniture most of the time. You do full design. I mean, that's what you and Amanda do, right? I think we can create a customer experience as good as we do is because I'm so charming, really. Just be <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh wow, okay. All right. All uh, right. So that's how that's how we're gonna play this one. Okay. Yeah. Sure. All right. All right, there we go. But I mean that's I'm truly like that's I think building the customer experience is making the customer feel like they're the only customer you have on your plate right now being available like it's hard because i don't have a true shop or anything like that to where someone can enter and my business hours are eight to five you know what i mean so i'm gonna get messages at 9 p.m on a sunday and i think the Mm -hmm. ability to answer even if it says even just a, hey, I'll get back to you tomorrow, but just being available to answer their question at any given time, I think makes them feel important. Um, <laughs> I don't think my clients are going to listen to this, but I have one that has, has been notorious through this whole build that likes to message me Sunday night and ask for kind of updates. But it's more of like, because she's trying to decorate around her room as in the meantime of me making her build um so it's just funny but i'll try and message her and she apologizes that it's sunday but i get it like a lot of people i work with also don't work a monday to five they may be off you know what i mean like their only days off on sunday so they're gonna want to take care of that kind of stuff on a sunday night so just being flexible to their needs i think makes it the experience totally different yeah and that's what i that's what i tend to do too especially since i do get a number of customers from instagram is is take them through my build process so that way they can show that I'm I'm focused on them. I mean unless it's a big big thing and I'm you know I might have to kind of you know I might work on a little bit and then come you know do something else and come back to it which I've had to do on bigger pieces of furniture or furniture restor you know stuff that needs to be restored because I can't work on a restoration piece almost every day. Uh, especially if the weather's bad and I've still got to strip parts of it, I can't I can't do that every day. But in general, I uh, I try to walk them through what I'm doing, so that way I keep them connected to it. And I talk I talk them up. I talk up you know what it is that I'm doing. I try to focus the best I can on making their piece as unique to them as that I can. Um, so I've got one I'm working on right now that should be headed out the door in the next two or three days to to Arkansas. Um, the reason I got that one is because she uh, is part of the social media group for Vapo Rust. Once again, Vapo Rust, not sponsored, need to be sponsored. Um, (laughs) 
her her cohort on the social media for Evapo Rust ordered one of my boards uh, that I was just working on. I was not even specifically going to, you know, I was looking to sell it specifically to anyone. I was just going to put it in the main collective where I sell stuff and just have people at Christmas, whenever they're looking for unique gift ideas, come through and buy it. Well, uh, Natasha saw this. She liked it really well, so she jumped on it first. She got the first pecan board, and it went out before Christmas, so that way they could have it for their Christmas party. Uh, not two or three weeks after that, Ashley, her her the other half of the social media account, said, hey, I really want one too. What, it, what will it take to get one? I said, well, unfortunately, I don't have any more pecan right now. What can we do to, to work with that? I said, I can do cherry. I can do walnut. I can do... You know, I can do apple, I can do a bunch of different things. She said, I'm not really super particular about what it is that I want. I just want something different. So I reached back in reached back in the brain and I thought, you know what? Cherry, apple, walnut, all that stuff is something you can kind of, you can get just about anywhere. I mean, those are some of the most, you know, common domestic species in America. So I went with something that I don't use as often, a piece of live edge olive wood got a very unique color, got a very unique grain structure, and I thought, hey, will this work for you? So I sent her some pictures of what it just kind of looked in rough form and showed her a little bit of what it looked like finished, and she said, yeah, let's do that, and she was very happy to work with me. Unfortunately, that's when my planner broke down, and I said, hey, it's going to be a couple weeks. i got to get this thing fixed. Well, it ended up being two weeks, and she, I, I hadn't talked to her since then because I, you know, I told her it was going to be two weeks before, I said, hey, I can't get this thing fixed. i got to buy a replacement. i got to find some sort of replacement. So there goes another two weeks. I finally got my planer last weekend, got it up, got it running, told her about it. She was ecstatic. I'm working on it now, and it's going to be out to her soon. So even though I had problems, even though I had told her it's going to just be a couple of weeks, and it was almost a month later than I really wanted to get it done and get it out to her, she was fine with it because she understood as someone that works in an industry. She were, I mean, Vaporust is not a huge, it's a huge business, but it's a very small group of people that things happen. Accidents happen. Equipment breakdowns happen. So I talked her through it. I didn't lie to her. I just told her straight up, I got a piece of equipment that's broken down and that's kind of a, a main part of me doing this. Can you work with that? She was totally cool with it. I think I that... feel like if you... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, th I think we're going to say the same thing because you and I have talked about it, Trevor, the, when you're up front with them about the struggles that you're having with your equipment and everything like yep. that. The customer is so understanding and, you know, just be up front with them. Say, hey, I ran into this issue. Like, tell them right when it happens. You know, I'm expecting a delay now. I haven't had anyone say, cancel my order. You know, they're just like, oh, okay, I totally get it. Yeah. The Yep. The other side to that is don't be that person that also cries wolf. Meaning, don't go in and say, oh, my my planer broke down and it's going to be a couple weeks. When in reality, you've just been lazy and didn't want to work on anything and your planer's perfectly fine. Which I've seen people do. And then, you're like tempting fate at that point. Because then eventually That's something is say. going to break that... <laughs> you do need so you also don't want to just make up something like an excuse you don't want to make up an excuse for why you're late if you're late and it's on you because you you were didn't lazy put the time in that did, week yeah. or whatever just tell them that be like look you know life got to me i didn't get time to go into the shop i'm really sorry 
if you're up front with them, they typically don't care. I mean, that, there might be the one customer that is, you know, a jerk. But by and large, most of them are going to understand that you do it as well. For us, we do it part time. You know, things come up like our kid has homework to do or whatever it might be. There's no point in lying to them about why you're late. Just be upfront with them. And if if you're really late and they ordered something big, maybe like, you know, throw a little extra something in the package when you send it when you are done. So I've done that before where like I was really late on a sign, so I also threw in some custom magnets for them. Yeah, I'll ask ahead like when we're in the negotiation process and everything like that trying to iron out the deal anyways if they need it by a hard deadline because i've done like you know doing stuff for weddings or whatever obviously those dates aren't negotiable they're not going to change their (laughs) wedding date if i'm those are not flexible so um i always try and give myself a little cushion anyways with all my builds in case i run into any issues with then giving them an estimated completion date but i'll ask just to be on the safe side if they have like a hard deadline that they need that project that way i can also move things around with my other builds that i have going on and kind of not necessarily bump them to the top of the line but reprioritize and do some time management in order to complete it by the time they need it yeah and i mean typically as long as you're upfront and you're honest and you try to work with them the best you can, your customers are going to be fine. And then there's going to be, you know, the one that is just a pain in the butt the whole time, which I've had that too. Yeah, you can't make everyone happy, but you can do your best every time. So. Yeah. And there's also one thing you really need to do. So I did this on the tool pig sign that I just made. Don't send something you are not happy to have. So if you send something, you notice a mistake, and you know that you would not be happy with the sign or whatever you make if it was sent to you that way, don't send it that way. Exactly. So in this case, I found out that I shot a staple through the blue light. Oops. And so I ripped out the LEDs. I put in new LEDs. Well, I put the back on the sign, lit them up. They were lit up before. And as soon as I hung the sign up and lit it up again, two of the little dots on the LED strip lit up in a different color. I didn't use staples this time. I used double-sided adhesive tape. I was like, why did this happen? And it turns out like it turned a corner in the design And when it turned that corner, one of the circuits apparently kinked itself and made it so it discolored those two dots. So it was only two dots out of like a hundred and something dots. But it made it so when red, green, or blue were on, it was fine. But if you changed it to one of the colors that combines them all, like yellow or pink or purple or whatever you'd see those two dots. And I was like, I w- this would be terrible if I tried to put it on purple or pink or yellow or orange in my shop and found out that it wasn't working 
So I ripped those LED lights out too and stuck in a third one. So I didn't send it out that way because I knew that if I had gotten it and it hadn't been told to me and I lit up the sign and it did that, I'd be pissed. What's So it's not worth it's worth like the extra like 20 or 30 bucks to do it the right way and make sure they're extremely happy with it. But if you don't if you save $30 now, it's going to ruin your quality and your image and your brand because that customer in this case it's Toolpig. So Toolpig has a hundred and something thousand followers. All he has to say is I was expecting a lot out of this sign, but then it had this issue and there goes my brand. Right. See there, I think there's the difference when there's errors like that, that you like, obviously that's fixable. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then there's some things that you're going to run into where there's going to be imperfections that I think you also be need to be able to stand behind and explain to your client that, you know, there's, I can only do so much. We're using, you know, say you're using wood. Mm-hmm. It's a natural element. You're not going to be able to control its behavior forever. So stuff happens Very sometimes true. with humidity. Things are going to warp. But that's why I warranty my work too in case they run into any issues like that down the down the road. They know that I still stand behind my product and I'm willing to fix whatever issues they've encountered. I can try my that best. That was something I was actually getting ready to ask. Yeah, so Martina. I can try my best have, to make have things Have you ever perfect. had it happen? I haven't yet, um, so which is good, I guess. Um, I feel like I'm doing something right. Obviously, if they haven't, you know, had it happen, but I just don't want them to have a bad taste in their mouth about like my brand and their experience with me. I want to be recommended again. So, um, but I think my number one line you can probably survey my clients, and all of them will say, "She tells me custom takes time." So that's what I try to reiterate with them when they're expecting, you know, a one week turnaround on something that's going to take me four weeks. Like I just try and explain custom takes time. And then anytime there's a change on it, it's like, and now custom takes more time because (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can only do so much. I can, there's only so many hours in the day. I can only accomplish so much. So I think that also helps them understand that this is why you don't get it in a week. It's going to be four weeks instead. Yeah. 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 And I've I mean there have been things where I'll make the entire sign and then one little thing happens all the way at the end. And it's got that that 50/50 shot where I think half of people would send it out as is and then I look at it and I say that's going in the trash. But that And then I remake the whole damn thing. That's what makes think- your customer experience different than anyone else's because you're going to take the pride in your product and make it to the best of your ability 100% that you can instead of just saying so it may take you a month and a half to get your sign in some cases when that has happened but I'll tell them you know this happened and I'll send them a picture typically like this is what it looks like so I had an acrylic one where acrylic adhesive like the glue seeped out and it kind of crystallized on the front face of the sign and I said you know this is what it looks like and I'm not really happy with it 
So I'm going to remake the whole thing. But it's going to take two to three weeks. And sometimes they'll say, oh, that's not a big deal. Send it anyway. Like, I can live with that. Like, just know, you know, I personally am not happy with it. I typically would not send it to you this way. Are you sure? And if they say yes, I'll be like, okay. So I'll I'll send it and be like, if you change your mind once you receive it, let me know and I'll remake it. And then there's others where I don't even, like, I'll tell them something happened, like the sign messed up. I'll send them a picture and I won't give them the option. I'll say, look, I'm not sending this. It's no matter if you want it or not, it is not going to happen. I'm going to remake the whole thing and you're just going to have to wait. Yeah. It's, it's easier to take a, a financial loss than it is to take a, um, to take a, I guess, moral loss. Yeah. I don't want to send out something that, It'd be like if, you know, Coke sent out a batch of, you know, Coca-Cola products and they had, you know, something off in the ingredients that didn't really make them Coke anymore. And we're like, eh, people won't notice. Like that, to me, that's the equivalent. Like, even if I think the person wouldn't notice that there's an issue, I know that there's an issue. And therefore, I won't send it out that way. Hmm. But not all people are like that. Some people say, oh, I don't, I mean, I can hide it. And then they'll send it anyway. And then the person gets it and they notice it and then they're mad. And they're wondering why. Don't, don't try to hide things from your customers is my point. That's why I yeah. try and when I give my estimates, um, account for human error and my materials cost. Like, this mm-hmm. is... If I cut everything 100% right and boards don't split or whatever, like this is my budget. And it's like, okay, now add X amount of percentage to that to allow for error. Because sometimes... It's kind of like when you do a floor mm-hmm. and you order like 10% extra. Yeah, that's what I try and do. Because if I if I mess up, if it like something happens, whatever, like I want to not lose out on my profit. I want to try and use what I allowed for materials to cover those costs so I can't make it better or best yeah. i've heard this i've heard this in the past it's pretty common i guess amongst woodworkers or at least kind of finer finer furniture woodworkers um there's the there's two sides and I, two sides to what normally happens a good craftsman knows how to hide his mistakes and then you'll have a lot of people that say no they'll have a rebuttal and says a good craftsman should never have any mistakes which i don't agree necessarily with either one because you can't go 100% without making mistakes. Things are going to happen. You're going to have blowout in wood. You know, if you're, say, if you're doing dovetails, you can do the best dovetails in the world and have no problems. But if the wood blows out on you, you can't control that. If there's a bad spot in the wood, you can't control that. You know, just like if you're, if you're a good craftsman, why should you want to cover up your mistakes? What you should do is admit to them. And say, okay, I screwed this up, and just start over. Don't don't try to hide the mistake. Don't try to never have a mistake. Just redo it. It's wood. It's it's not it's not a perfect it's not a perfect medium. It's a really great medium, and I love it. But it's not a perfect medium, and you're not a perfect anything. You're gonna have mistakes. You're gonna have screw ups. Sometimes you can make your mistakes an artistic element. 
You can. You can. I mean, just like the flaws in the wood are an artistic element. That's um, what that's, I think that's for, part right? of the reason why people... That's what one is? <laughs> I'm, wag- I'm wagging I my I said that's what epoxy's for. Epoxy is a structural element. Oh, is not. Uh-huh. It is not an artistic element. It is a structural element. We'll agree to Unless your name is Peter one. Brown. And they, unless your name is Peter Brown, it is a structural element, not an artistic element. I hate river tables. <laughs> That's another hour Be careful, of the river you don't table. Get sued now. Yeah. I'm like So epoxy tables would be the term that we could appropriately use. Um Okay. Well, because we'll the term river table what, refers a, to more of a glass table. We'll agree to disagree on what epoxy is. Whether or not it's artistic or not, you, you and I are you and I are going to be at like odds for each other for like the next week. I know I'm going to get some angry messages from you later. It's just going to be like randomly in the middle of the night. You're still wrong about epoxy. No, it's not. No, it's not. You're just gonna you're gonna be hating on me, and I guarantee some of the podcast listeners are going to hate on me. I just my personal preference is that epoxy is a structural medium, not an artistic. Then one. why do they make? Just remember that Stephen. Just remember that Steven's a dinosaur, he lives in the old ages, and he barely has internet. Because Steven, in his head, there's not even pigments from his generation that his mindset (laughs) is in. That's why it's not artistic. Uh, It's funny, because we're the same age, but he's so much older than me, (laughs) mentality-wise. You know what I told someone the other day? Because they were talking about using wood stain, is that I said I very rarely use wood stain, but if I do, I try to use it as minimally as possible. And they were start, then they own, started right? talking about I do make my own Absolutely. I do make my own wood stain yes not surprised coffee grounds and tea bags I do I think he actually makes his own wood Trans he has grown the trees for the last hundred years and he just goes out in his backyard and chops them down with an axe if I could I totally would I would own my own sawmill you know how it would be ran with a windmill sure. not you even a, not even water with wind with wind sir. I think I should. I think I was Danish in a previous life. Except for I don't wear stupid wooden shoes. I can't do that. This is why Stephen's stuff takes forever. The, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> Stephen has. To, he can only work by daylight because he doesn't have electricity. Yeah. He can only he send his messages to client by chisel and stone. Yeah. No, it's smoke signals. Get it right. Carrier pigeons. Oh, that's true. It is. It is smoke signals. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you you don't get the message though. I think we could do a whole episode on Stephen hate being on stuck Stephen in the Stone Ages. It's so weird. This is why we have to do. We I think we need to do a reintroduction episode because when me and Trevor talked about ourselves initially, there was like maybe a hundred listens because it was the very first episode. But now we've got you know, shoot, last what last week had over it's over six or seven hundred now. I think part of that was the topic. It was, it was, but at the same time, I mean, hopefully we've roped in new people. Clearly, our social media maven has has done well taking so, over the IG account. Yeah, uh-huh. for those that don't know, Martina has basically started running the Instagram. <laughs> the Instagram, page. yes. Um. So for everyone that's made it to this point, listening to this episode, if you guys want to send us messages to hear, if you want to know more about us. Let us know. We can do an episode for that. Because I'm pretty sure people do have questions about how we got to where we are. And we kind of dance around it a little bit, talk about it a little bit, but not give full detail. So let us know. Message us. We're trying to be more approachable and involved in Instagram. So let us know. 
Just remember to get your smoke signals ready if you want to talk to Steven. Right. That was that was me fanning. <laughs> no an one can see that but us. But... I know. I know. But you're both staring at me just like, what is he doing? What is he doing? What I'm going to do is I'm going to buy an oil lamp and I'm I'm going to take it in the shop. So and then if anyone has any further questions about the customer experience too. <laughs> yeah, customer experience. I think I think overall though, there's a few key takeaways that people can kind of think about when they go to deal with customers, which is one, be upfront and honest about everything. If you're going to be late, Tell them you're going to be late, exactly why you're going to be late. Two, if you're going to be late, like even later than expected, consider putting something small in the package as well. It's kind of like a thank you for your patience. I appreciate, you know, that you were willing to work with me kind of thing. I mean, I always send I always send a business card and a sticker every with with everything that I ship. I do that anyway. I do. Well, yeah, I try I do to. The thank you Sometimes card I forget, and, and that's just on me. I'll do the thank you card and I'll readdress the fact that I appreciate the fact that they were patient with me while I ran into my obstacles, and then throw in like a set of coasters or something like that as a thank you gift. Yeah. That, so things oh, like that, that little things be... matter, because it'll make you stand out versus other people. You want your customer to feel like they're the only customer you have. Yes. Every exactly. customer for the three of us is our number one customer. There have been times where I have forgotten to do the thank you note. And it's because it'll be one that like I rushed to get it done. Like they ordered it on Tuesday and they're like, I really need it next week. So I have to get it done by Friday. And I honestly just forget to put the card in there so sometimes like i i just didn't get to it but by and large i try to put a card in there a thank you card a sticker um i just bought new business cards so those were on the way and then i try to put in uh one of my magnets too that'll be pretty cool i mean having a magnet would be nice well my feeling is a lot of people are okay with sticking a magnet on their fridge but most people throw out business cards so very true very true that was kind of my thought that was, process that's a, I mean, that's a good thought process that's a good thought process. yeah yeah i think i think if we can get a listener to send me um a feather quill and some like some old timey paper that's what i should do is we'll we will send out we'll send out maker vision podcast like handwritten notes I'll do it by candlelight, sitting at the table. In his calligraphy. Now, yeah. even with a feather, even with a feather quill, I will be. Uh, I'll probably my handwriting's still going to be awful, but it'll look old school and awful at the same time. So I think. So challenge to the listeners: someone send me ink and a quill pen. <laughs> I think that you're you're <laughs> only going to be as successful as you want to be. So if you want to continue yes. to grow your brand, you're going to take the customer time to build the time with your customer to build the experience and make them feel valued. And actually, and you brought up a good point that I forgot, which was, so the whole tool pig sign started out rocky and he'll admit this. So when I first asked him, you know, if he'd be interested in a sign, he thought it was just going to be 
similar to something he made on like the Shaper Origin, where it was just like wood and it was carved into the wood. He's like, you know, I'm not really interested in that. I was like, well, that's not really what I had in mind. And we we talked for like four days, probably back and forth to come up with what we ended up coming up with. And at the end, he was like, I'm really glad that you didn't just brush me off immediately as, you know, a customer you wouldn't want to deal with because I wasn't I wasn't envisioning what it was going to end up like in the end. So it's also taking that time to try to clearly explain your idea if it's something new or explain how things are going to be done so that they can envision it better cuz I I can't always model it up. Like I can do the 2D design and say, you know, layer 1's going to be this, layer 2's going to be this, all that stuff. The more you explain and the more clear you are and the more time you take to make sure that they fully understand what's going to happen and what they're getting, the more appreciative they're going to be, I think, in the end. And I think one other thing, maybe it's going to be a little bit different for me and Martina, but for you, Trevor, because you're doing a lot of business to business as opposed to business to individual, Mm -hmm. is if they're going to support you, your business, see if you can support theirs somehow. Like yeah. Mammoth Metalworks, they they have a lot of different things. So they I do. mean, you do a, you did a collab, you did some things with them, you own some stuff that they have. My big my big charcuterie boards, serving platter thing. I mean, that's the that's probably probably the primary reason I even got the job is because I'm a patron to the restaurant. I love the restaurant. It's probably my favorite in town. Um, so you know, I continue to patron to patron. To be a patron of their business. I was like, patron of their business. That's wrong. Wrong use of that term. Definitely wrong. Wrong wrong use of that term. Uh, To be a patron of their business because they supported me. I need to support them. Um, Martina, do you do anything for like local businesses or is a lot of yours just individuals? You're a little broken up. What'd you say? Have you done anything for local businesses or anything like that, or is it mostly individuals? No, I have. Um, that you've done you've done your work for. I've done a shelving unit for like a floating shelving unit for a local business, and I actually just went there yesterday to do a consult and get a, get together a bid for some new projects. They've remodeled the facility since I did their build, and I was honored that they left what I made where I put it and didn't do, like decide to get rid of it when they changed their whole look of the building. Um, but now, like, they emailed me the other day and said, hey, we need some cabinetry done. You're the first and only person we thought of for this. Are you available for the job? And I was like, oh, I'm, o- I'm okay with this. Like, so apparently I did something right. They like what I made. They liked their experience with me. And they're coming back. So I went over there yesterday and they even said, like, it, it would have been really easy for us to purchase this cabinetry through amazon but we're a small business that's local and we want to support small and local too so we called you so that's definitely something from my personal experience that sounds like it's playing into y'all's experience too Mm -hmm. is if you're a maker support other makers i know sometimes that's that's not the easiest thing in the world to do um because it's like why would you buy a woodworking thing from another woodworker but some people specialize in some really nice stuff uh, stuff that you would either never buy yourself or never necessarily take the time to do. So definitely support other woodworkers, support other makers in general. I really want to start getting into like leather goods 
they're just very expensive right now so i have not been able to to buy them from other makers but i know if i'm going to buy that product i know exactly who i'm going to for that product there's yeah i've seen a couple of other makers that i would like to support as well yeah, yeah. so like so so me for I, I know i did this for one for metalworking thing for some uh accessories for my workbench i found a i found a kid I mean, he was, whenever I bought from him, he was 18. He's probably like 20 now. Um, but he was a, he was a small time blacksmith. He worked out of his parents' garage. And I think he's since forth moved on to like a bigger shop. But I mean, I want to support someone that's semi-local. I mean, he was in North Carolina, but he's not too far away. And also support a kid that at 18, he decided he wants to have his own business and not some okay. sort of like, <laughs> not that's some sort rare. of, uh, yeah. Tom Haverford sort of business for those that are familiar with Parks and Rec where none of his businesses were actually like a legitimate business. They were businesses that based themselves on, I don't know what he based them on, but eventually he took off as a business owner because he got in the restaurant game. So, I mean, that's pretty legit business and it's not an easy one. So support other people, support small, support local and just be helpful because you never know when you might need a helping hand and someone locally can provide that to you. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, is there anything else? Martina, do you have any nuggets of wisdom? <laughs> I don't know that I have any, more any, nuggets of wisdom. Any, any Fresno nuggets of wisdom? Oh goodness. Definitely not Fresno nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> Clearly you've never been to the put, Central put, Valley. Put, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. But if, you have more, if anyone has any more questions on this topic, find us, message us, let us know. If you think we're wrong, message us. We'll discuss. If we're if we're off base, t let us know. That's the one thing we can say. If we're off base, if we're way off base, tell us. Tell us why we're off base. I would like, yeah. But I if want you to think we're doing more, good, tell us that too. I want to build more interaction with our listeners and our followers. So definitely let us know how you feel about this topic. Let us know what you think, if you're able to take away anything from this. And then since we have the platform right now, um, since I am taking over the Instagram, um, we want to start featuring more makers and everything. So start using the hashtag MakerVisionTribe and we will start reposting your guys' content. and show the awesome work that you guys are doing yeah we've got some amazing people already online um that are amazing people that we that we follow that follow us um and we want to get you out there more because i mean this is this is a lot of the maker community is we need to help one another exactly and that's the that's one of the main basis of the maker vision podcast is to build that tribe I think, Correct. yeah, this week I definitely think we learned who our tribe was and built a bigger one after this past episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I think until next time. All right, guys. Till next week. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. All right. Y'all have fun. Enjoy engraving yetis. Enjoy building your cabinetry, Martina. I'm going to possibly go drink craft beer. Something I don't do very often, but I'm headed to North Carolina, so it's a good place for it. Cheers. I'll have fun driving your wagon up there. 
My oxen are already are already ready to go. <laughs> I just picture his vehicle like Flintstones, and he's pedaling with his feet. Yes, exactly. Oh, we got so have a good now. trip, Fred. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, hopefully, no one dies of dysentery. You know, on our on our Oregon Trail style trip. <laughs> yeah, or rattlesnake bite, or what are the other ways bite. to die in that game? Uh, you couldn't ford the river, and your oxen died. There you go. That's probably more likely. Squares. Yep. All right, guys. <laughs> Until next week. All right. All right. Bye. Peace. Thank you for listening to our show. Be sure to check out MakerVisionPodcast.com. We'll post valuable resources, tips, and info about anything we've talked into, talked about in today's shows or past shows. And all these things are to help your Maker Vision become a Maker Reality. If you have any questions or suggestions or any comments about what you heard today or once again in previous episodes, feel free to drop us a line at makervisionpodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at makervisionpodcast, or through mine and Trevor's personal Instagram accounts, and that is Old South Woodcraft or Maker Experiment. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review and, a, and just some really nice words to to let us know how good we're doing. Or if you didn't like it, let us know what you didn't like about it. Either way, we're happy to hear from you. And you can go and do that on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Once again, thank you for joining us on our podcast, and we really look forward to hearing, hearing from you next week. 